I hate to be late. It's one of those things. It's just one of many things about this morning. But God, God is good today. Amen? All the time. I'm grateful because I need some of that goodness today. <laughs> We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And the Holy Scripture states, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who, will also, <clears throat> who also will do it. And we're going to talk today about empowered by the Spirit to be holy. So the icebreaker is, do you consider yourself to be a perfectionist? It depends. Would others consider you to be a perfectionist? Yes. Do you think that there are drawbacks to being a perfectionist? That's one of the things about Jesus that astounds me is that he is perfect, and yet he can fellowship with the imperfect. And compassionately so. Holiness is one of those things in modern Christianity that has almost become a blasphemous word. It's become something that, oh, well, we don't. We don't do that. That's legalism. Well, it can be. It can be. Kind of like Phariseeism. You know, Phariseeism really was just the Pentecost of their day. It meant separated ones. They, res they restricted themselves from everything. They were the most upright. They were this, they were that. And it's amazing to me how you strive to hit the mark and miss it so completely. People will look at Phariseeism and say, well, there's Pharisees there. Well, Pharisees crop up where truth is. Pharisees arise when they try and arrive under truth under their own understanding and their own might. Holiness, as often preached, I believe, is preached incorrectly. Because too often you hear the preaching of holiness as to what you don't do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, I'm not preaching against those things. I'm not, I'm not up here teaching against that. But 
these things that we talk about, these things are unholy. The absence of the unholy things does not make you holy. Does not scripture say if, if a man says he loves God but hates his brother, he's a liar? The absence of hatred does not make you loving. Holy is not a state of being. It is a divine being. God says, I am holy. This is why it is so hard to understand holiness. Because it is not something we can do. It is something he is. And for me to define holiness is to use my own definition and what I will do and what people will do is we will judge ourselves amongst ourselves and determine whether or not we consider ourselves to be holy. When the criteria is he is holy. Be holy for I am holy. And that revelation is so mind-blowing that when Isaiah looked up and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne, he got a revelation, he's holy, and he got a revelation, I'm not. Now, I don't believe you would have found Isaiah out there with the priestesses at the Asherah pole, just live in a muck. I'm not going to preach Isaiah into sin. I would dare say he was a righteous man. But when he got the true measure of what holy is, he realized, even though I am speaking holy words, my lips are unclean. Woe is me. Because church, the true face-to-face -face encounter with God is going to show you who He is and how much you're not really like Him. Loved by Him, certainly. Being worked on to become Him, absolutely. But my natural state is not his natural state. It is only by grace that our relationship can even continue. One of the things that Eli Hernandez taught that I thought was exceptional is he taught about the dichotomy of the earth. He said the earth is a paradox because this is the closest that sinners will ever come to heaven and the closest saints will ever get to hell. But if I just walk around and go, well, I'm more righteous than you, I have put an incorrect definition 
on what I perceive holiness to be. Holiness is our God and nothing short of it. When you read about the angels and what they are proclaiming in heaven, they are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And I don't think that angels are mindlessly walking around like robots, droning on, going, holy, holy, holy. I believe that there are things that you can see that are stolen from heaven. Have you ever seen a worldly concert and wonder why every concert wants everybody to raise their hands? Where do you think the demons would have first seen that? When you look at a metal concert and you see the people in what they call the mosh pit and they're just circling, they're just circling in this mass, where do you think they first seen that? Then a hundred million angels circling the throne crying, holy, holy, holy. I believe that the reason they cry holy, holy, holy continually is because their position to him is in change. As they shift and see God from a different angle, all of a sudden they get an inspired revelation of how great he is. I haven't seen you from this side before. And for eons, for eons, I don't think there's not one angel in heaven that has grown tired of the one who sits on the throne that they're not flabbergasted, just astounded how holy this God really is. We would call the angels holy, and I would dare declare that the only reason they're holy is because they've been in His presence. Demons are just angels that haven't been in His presence. That is an angel trying to be holy by itself. That's a demon. Now, if we can all agree upon that, what do you think happens when the church tries to be holy unto itself? Holiness is vital. It is vital in everything we do. We cannot participate in the unholy and think we can have holy communion. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and preach that God has somehow stopped being merciful and stopped being gracious and is not going to help you. And if you cry out, He's, he's going to forgive you. But you cannot sit here and preach that once saved, always saved. God doesn't care. Holiness doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It very much does. 
Holiness is vitally important because to fellowship with God, I have to be in communion with Him. And since He is holy, for Him to take us to certain levels, we have to put on Christ. This is the hardship of what can happen in religion. We need preachers and preaching to be saved. But you need a prayer closet to be transformed. Pastor can go up there and he can preach you into that water. But if you will never ever fellowship with God, he cannot transform you. And anybody that's offended by that, I would dare ask, how many people do you think Lee Stone King has preached to over the course of his ministry? And how many replicas have we actually gotten? Because when it comes to discipleship, we have to use the seeds from our own fruit. And if we're not fruit-bearing, there's nothing to duplicate. We can only replicate our own self-righteousness. And that's not what we're called to do. We are called to be holy. We are not trying to separate ourselves from the world so that we can stick our noses up in the air and believe that somehow we're better than those that are not here. We are doing it because we love God and we want to be transformed by Him into His image so that we can go into deeper relationship. For any other purpose is simply so that I can pat myself on the back. That I can present myself as holy to everybody else. And that's not what this is about. We believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of healing. We have those that have been healed by God here. Some people have been miraculously healed. There have been healings, obviously, that have just taken place. But there have been miracles that have taken place. But I would declare that the greatest power of God is being able to transform us. I believe most Christians waste their prayer life in trying to focus on God changing their situation rather than their focus on God changing them. The Navy SEALs, even though they love to write books, and even though they love to be in movies, <laughs> because it's profitable. I mean, when, when you're being thrown millions of dollars, and I was an E-4 in the military, those guys only got paid, as an E-4, you only would have got paid $1,000 more a month than me. And I made, as an E4, $80 less than unemployment. So, you know, millions of dollars kind of a tempting thing. 
But my buddy Ramsey went into the SEALs. Short guy, just like me. He was there when we were doing sniper training. He was already in. He had wanted to become a Marine sniper, and then he wanted to become a SEAL. I don't know why that order, but hey, that was just his thing. And he went to Bud's, and he actually accomplished it. But you see, Bud's has a unique perspective on what they're doing. And only people who don't live that lifestyle think it's awesome. They have, they have a motto, the only easy day is yesterday. Well, that's, that's a cool poster. That's a hard life. That is a difficult lifestyle. Oh, the only easy day is what I already did? That's awful. Who wants to live like that? Nobody, except the guy that's sitting in a nice AC office with the poster on his wall. We all do it. You got the cat poster, hang in there. Like. <laughs> But you see, the process of BUDS is actually so regimented that there's hardly any wiggle room for the instructors to improvise what they're doing. Down to the hour, down to the exercise. It is so coordinated. Now the person going through it, it feels like pure chaos. You're just running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, into the water you go. Next, 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 into the water you go. It's just chaos to them. But those instructors have a full itinerary of what's going to happen each minute of that day. What exercise they're going to do and for how long they're going to do it. Why? Because they know what they're doing. The water... They use the water to psychologically break people, but to physically heal them. It's the same reason athletes go and take ice baths after they have hard workouts, because it constricts the muscles, pushes out all that lactic acid, and helps the healing process. So one of the things that they find to be most torturous is actually most helpful for them. And Christians sit here and complain and whine and cry, and I do it, about our fiery trials. But the Navy SEAL says we are not here to make warriors. We are here to find them. We cannot make you into something you are not. We can only train you. This is what God does. You and I are not holy, not in and of ourselves, but he gives you the spirit, his spirit. And then he begins to take us in trials that reduce us and bring him out. That is the only holiness that God is ever speaking about is his own.
When he talks about imparting his righteousness, it is his righteousness shining through the church, not our own. When he's talking about love, he's talking about his love coming through the church, not our own. He is using heavenly definition, defining it by himself. And we have Christianity saying, we don't really need you, God. Holiness is not welcome here. Well, would you say, Jesus, you're not welcome here? Because that's really what you're saying. And the thing is, is that when the pastor was preaching, he touched on it <clears throat> scripturally in 1 John 3, 8, that he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why do you think we have the Holy Spirit? When the Ark of the Covenant was put in the temple Dagon, it was no longer Dagon's temple. You are a temple, but you weren't always his temple. And when he came in, God doesn't play nice with demons. God doesn't play nice with idols. God is compassionate to people. And what happened when he was brought into that temple? Dagon immediately was put on his face. And I want you to recognize something. Dagon didn't have the power to put himself upright again. It required the priesthood to lift him back up. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Because we are a royal priesthood. But you see, God intends to cleanse. God tend, intends to exalt himself and show that he's greater than you could ever think he is. I would argue that after a billion years in heaven, you haven't seen anything yet. There is not going to be a moment that we are not astounded by the God that is in front of us. Or heaven wouldn't have holy, holy, holy being cried unceasingly. It would just become empty, regimented words. And that's not our God. These angels are crying out. But the problem is, is that Lucifer holding his position as close to God as he was, got it in his head, I can be like him. I can be like the Most High. Now, I always find it funny that he was so concerned with his position and yet he didn't want any of the other attributes. He didn't want to be the most merciful. 
He didn't want to be the most forgiving, most loving. He didn't want any of that stuff. I want the power, the respect, and the authority. Which is why, as a church, when we're asking to go deep, we can't walk in by ourselves. Because my heart is deceitfully wicked. And what happens if God sets me that close to him with my heart being unchanged? Scripture says, a new heart I give to you. Now, I know he was writing to Israel, but I also believe he was prophesying to mankind what I'm going to do. But I want you to understand, it's not, oh, I'll fix your heart. I have to get rid of it. I got to give you a completely new one. There's no saving that. That's got to go. You need a heart transplant. What you think is love is not love. What you think is mercy is not. I need to give you a new heart. Because if you don't have it, the law cannot be written on it. We know that the word springs up in stony soil. But it cannot endure. I know that the hard places of my heart do not endure what God has spoken. And so he intends to break it. He intends to cut it out and get it rid. And he intends to show me what holiness is. Because holiness is not what I am not doing. Holiness is who he is and what is accessible through it. Holiness is also our protection. It is. When God speaks about, well, a sower goes to sow his field. The Lord talked about planting a vineyard. And you know what the first thing he lists was? He chose a hill. And the first thing in Isaiah 5 verse 2 is he built a hedge. Holiness is your hedge about you. When a wicked spirit goes out of a man, he walks in dry places. When he returns, he finds that it is put in order. This is God's mercy and grace. But I want you to see that that demon, he just walked right back in because there was no lock change. He walked in like he was the owner. Because God can cast out things, but holiness is going to prevent them from coming back in. Holiness stops the cycle of deliverance to now dealing with it again. Deliverance, now dealing with it again. Holiness says you're not allowed in anymore. And it is because of when you look at Job, it says he loved God and eschewed evil. He hated evil. But I don't believe in the Bible just being haphazardly written. You cannot hate evil if you don't first love God. You cannot resist the devil if you are not first submitted to God. You can't take things 
and be like, well, there's six days of creation, but it doesn't matter which order the days are read and which order they occur. It does. I have to fellowship with God if I'm ever to hate the unholy things. And it also says that if I'm ever restoring a brother, I need to be mindful lest I be tempted. And I fall myself. None of us are impervious to being put on our face and tripped. Pastor Glover has a lifetime of walking with God. This is a man of God. Do not doubt it. But his nature is of, is of such that if he today said, I am done reading my Bible, I am done praying, I am done doing this, I will lean on my own understanding, I will be on my own righteousness, that man is going to start to deteriorate to what he already was in himself. The reason he's a man of God is because he has spent so much time with Jesus. Not because there's a license sitting in his back pocket. Our prayer closet is to get closer. Lord, transform me. And the problem is, is I expect that to be miraculous. I expect it right now. Whew. He just got up and walked. I expect to walk in holiness. Okay. He may strengthen you to stand, but you're going to have to work those muscles a little bit. And then all of a sudden he starts laying more and more on you. And you start going through heavier and heavier trials that start pushing against holiness, start pushing against your patience, start pushing and pushing and pushing. And you're like, why do I do this? It's the same reason the military made us constantly carry weight above and beyond ourselves. Because when it came time and someone had fallen next to us, I needed to have the strength to pick them up and go. The reason we go through this is for each other. It is for him. It is so we can sit there and get a word and get an encouragement and get a direction. I understand holiness can become such an abominable thing. It's the reason people preach against, well, you know, people were hurt by prophets. People were hurt by apostles. Well, people have been hurt by pastors. That doesn't mean we should get rid of them. Oh, my goodness. Just because somebody abused and misused what holiness was meant to be does not mean we should stop doing it. You need to do it correctly. And it is the transformation that he may set a hedge and that he may begin to seed. Such great things. And I hear it preached all the time, the tabernacle. The tabernacle. You can't see the beauty of holiness from the outside. No, I know. You can't. That badger skin and all that stuff, that didn't look too amazing, I'm sure. But don't you think that they could see that cloud or pillar of fire? Right. 
They can see what holiness is attracting. They can see what's with you. They may not see how beautiful it is yet, but they can definitely see it's real. And so if all we have is this, and no power, no beauty, no grace, no love, church, this is for nothing. This is so that we can feel better about ourselves that we came and sat on some hard benches and listened to a man talk. But he's been in prayer to get a word. We should be in prayer to get the word so that it can grow and transform us. And then I take it home after praying here and I pray about it some more. I water what it is. And the holiness is going to say, devil, you're not allowed to touch that. You're not allowed to touch that. Does the scripture not say that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? But in the garden, it said you are cursed above all cattle, above all that is on the earth. And you will eat dust the days of your, all the days of your life. And then he goes to Adam and he says, but cursed is the ground now. See, he's not allowed to eat blessed and holy things. He's only allowed to consume the cursed. Why do you think he wants you to curse your promises? He can't just eat them. He can't touch them. Why do you think he wants you to speak about your family this way or your promises that way or this or that? Because he needs you through your authority to change its nature so he can consume it. But I want you to see what happens when God shows up. Because when he showed up on the mountain and he presented himself to Moses in a fiery bush, he said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. Why? For the ground you're on is holy ground. He told Adam, it, the ground is cursed, but the manifested presence of God changes a curse's nature. It's no longer cursed where you're standing. This is now holy. Do you understand why God gave us the spirit? Because my nature is cursed. From dust I was taken, from dust I shall return. But when he came in, he changes the nature of where he is. And it's meant to expand. The trials we go through are to show us where we're not letting him walk. Where we're not letting him stand. Where we're not letting him have control. You lean on yourself on this one. You lean on this. But if we go back to our opening verse, there's something truly peculiar. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. See, Scripture calls out how God does his sanctification. He does it through peace. This is why God constantly says, fear not. 
do not be afraid. Because fear will not only rob you of your peace, it can rob you of being holy. Because you are being set aside through his peace. You are being sanctified by his peace. Holiness begins in peace. This is not combat. He is not at war with me. He is working in me. He is at war with everything trying to destroy me. And I know that we preach that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere, but he is everywhere but one place, and that's right here. It is the one place that we have to say, God, I invite you in. When a person comes in, they don't have the Holy Spirit. You have to invite him in. But the power of invitation is a transformation of everything that is going on the inside. And if we deny the power of holiness, we really are denying our life to live victoriously. We are denying having godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof where the only thing I want God to do is I need you to touch this situation. I need you to touch this circumstance. I need you to touch this. But there is a peace that can come that surpasses understanding, that surpasses what the storm is doing. This is not peace that the world gives you because you can logically follow worldly peace. If you have peace because you now have a plan or you have resources or you know who to call or you got the right doctor's appointment, that is not godly peace. When you can sit there and you have peace and a person's looking at the fire around your life and you're like, this is fine. And people are like, why? Explain it to me. God. There is not a logical brain that will, will hear that and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But church, even though I know the scripture, how many times do I have to be reminded that in my prayer room? See, I sit here and I pray a daily prayer. Oh, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. What about my peace? Lead us not into temptation. Well, protect me. And this is all God. But if I'm not going to let him set up the hedge, things just walk in whenever they choose. And it is impossible to make the church an overcomer of the world if we can't even be overcomers of ourselves. If he can't lead me into victory in what I have, how is he ever going to lead us in this? Because since I have been in the church since 2011, I have watched the world become increasingly darker. People have become more racist. People have become more divisive and prideful and violent. And the list goes on and on and on. And why? Because the world is becoming what God always declared it to be. Yeah. 
It is revealing what it's always been. This America that I knew as a child was a facade hiding the truth of the world. But since I have been in the church, I have not watched the church become more fervent in prayer. I have not watched the church become more fervent in its Bible study. Now, individuals, sure. Congregations, possibly. But as a whole, I wouldn't say so. As the world is becoming what God always declared, the church is called to become what God declared it to be. And the only way we ever get into that is through holiness. When you read the tabernacle plan, there are three items that are made of the same thing. It is the curtains that are the initial covering over the tabernacle. They're made of the fine linens with blue, gold, scarlet, and purple. The veil is made of the linen with the blue, gold, scarlet, and purple. And so too are the priestly garments made of the same material, the same colors, because the same covering is required for us to go deep. There is another altar that exists outside of the sacrificial one. It is a praise altar. It is one that is right before his face and it goes up in the incense of praise and prayer. But that can only be accessed if you are robed according to what his word says. You can only get to this place in holiness and not man's holiness, God's. Put on Christ. This is what is accessible. And what's so amazing is for the church, there's no veil. So it doesn't matter if this is the pastor. It doesn't matter if he was the district superintendent or the world superintendent. If you're willing to put on Christ, we can go into the same places. That does not mean we don't need his authority and it removes his ministerial position and what he does for the body. It means we all can have this deep relationship that is not predicated upon what position we hold in a congregation. It's predicated that God gave us the means and he wants us to if we will just allow him to robe us in his righteousness and make us holy. Amen? So we do serve a holy God. We are going to lift our hands and praise a holy God. And for those that are going through some unholy things, I want you to remember that a holy God is in control and in charge of it. Amen? Make sure that you fellowship with one another and get ready to worship.